Welcome to the For Fox Sake podcast, by the fans, for the fans. With all the news, views and discussion from two lifelong Leicester City supporters. It's your show, so get in contact, make yourselves heard, what's your opinion? The only Leicester City podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. This is For Fox Sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby and on the other end of the line is Mr Rob Hayes who is in For Fox Sake HQ2. Rob, are you there? Yes, very well, thank you Pete. How are you mate? Yes, not bad. Uh, we haven't done one for a while actually. A um, couple of games that we haven't, obviously the game against Arsenal and, and, and West Ham. But uh, first of all, we'll just cover West Ham 2-2, uh, late goal. Over the bank holiday, everyone was out in the sunshine. Moving on now to the Arsenal game. What do you reckon? That's pretty much it, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> happy happy for Harvey Barnes to get his first goal for Leicester. I know he scored yes. pretty much, pretty much scored. Was it Wolves, the, the deflected effort that we quite, kind of wanted to give to him but couldn't? But it's I think it's nice for him because I, I'd have liked to, it to have come officially maybe five or six games ago because I think that would be the missing piece in his confidence jigsaw, if you like, because he's a very confident young man. He he does everything that we want Damari Gray to do in turning positively, uh, turning forwards rather than backwards, running at full-backs all day long. Um, and I think his his work rate and his attacking intent has deserved a goal. So I was, I was pleased for him for that. Don't really care that we got it slightly controversially with their disallowed offside goal. Um, you know, to come away from any Premier League ground with a draw at any stage of any season's decent. So to do it in the 92nd minute after West Ham had a goal disallowed was probably even better, actually. Yeah, if you're going to draw a game away from home, a last-minute equaliser is always better than maybe conceding one late on and all that sort of thing. But yeah, a point away from home is never bad. And um, and we moved on to the game against Arsenal, which really is what we're all everyone tuning in is really talking about it's one of the best performances Leicester have had not only this season but I'd say in the last few years possibly before the game there was a um, a motif there was a display a TIFO as you would have it in the cop uh, and they used our logo <laughs> well they used the 80s logo of Leicester uh, and uh, it was very good. It, it looked very good. I liked it. But uh, I did. I did send a tweet out actually saying um, to Union FS, "Nice of you to use our logo." And I, and then I read it about an hour later, and I thought, "Hang on, I wonder if anyone's going to kind of like take it that the wrong way." But no one did, which is always good because you never know on the old social media. But uh, a very yeah, very nice tifo, and it really kicked off what turned out to be a, a tremendous day because it's always good to beat one of the big boys. It's always good to beat Arsenal. We always have good games against Arsenal. You go back many years, you go back to Steve Walsh's equaliser in injury time or towards the end of injury time. There's about three goals scored in added time in 97 when Burkamp scored all those fantastic goals. Arsenal beat us a couple of times in the league winning season. And I remember when they beat us at home, which stopped our unbeaten record. You walked out the game after losing, what, 5-2, and it was, yes, a defeat, two couple of late goals, but it's not like you didn't mind, but it was it was a really good game. We tend to have good games at Arsenal. We've lost away there over the last few years by one goal in, say, seven. But first of all, Rob, I, I, there's been a, a few messages online, a few people discussing whether this was the best performance this season. Now, a lot of people were saying... 
You've got Man City at home, understandably so, one of the best domestic sides that we've had, not just in recent years, but you look at the points total of them and Liverpool, tremendous. Um, I would say you've got that game, you've got the away game against Chelsea to go to Stamford Bridge and to win. You've got the game away at Cardiff under all the circumstances that that was played in. And then there's this, and a lot of people going for, say, the Man City game. I, I would personally say this is probably the best performance in 90 minutes that I've seen Leicester produce this season. The best game, the best result, which I know sounds weird after mentioning the Man City and Chelsea games against one of the big sides, because even though they were down to 10 men, I think we would have won probably 3 nil anyway, because we were absolutely bossing the game. And I'm going to use bossing as it's probably the last time I'll probably ever say that, but it's the first thing that came into my head. Shows that I'm down with the kids. If you say so, yeah. We were. I think it, it it's difficult because those looking in from the outside will see, oh, Arsenal down to 10 men, that must be why you won the game 3-0. But it, as you say, it's completely not the case. It was, um, it was 100% our best performance under Brendan Rodgers. Um, if you want to put it into that kind of bracket, um, yeah, you do. You, you look back at the results over Christmas against Man City and and Chelsea, and and the the sort of feel good factor that you get from beating teams like that, especially Man City being proper title contenders and and defenders of the Premier League crown. Um, but yeah, in terms of they were they were kind of. They they stood out a little bit more because they were part of um, the Puel reign where excellent performances like that were, that really enthused you about the style of football, etc. didn't come along very often. So that might be why they stand out a bit more in people's minds. But I think we've looked very good under Brendan Rodgers and, and saying this is the best we've looked under him is the biggest compliment I can pay this Leicester side, if that makes sense. You know, I, I, th- I think we've looked better than we have for most of the season in his short tenure. So with this being the best performance of them, would, I guess, by default, make it the best performance of the season. I don't. I agree with you totally. I don't think we won the game because they were down to 10 men. Uh, and I'm sure in the next half an hour or so, we'll get round to talking about the sending off. But I'd have to agree, yeah, just working it out there verbally, Leicester's best performance of the season for me. I think so as well. One thing regarding this victory compared to others, you have to equate it to how you feel after the game. You beat Man City at home around Christmas, fantastic results, and then there's another game coming up very quickly. You win away at Chelsea, which was only um, in in this in the same say fortnight, and again lots of games coming up thick and fast. You're halfway through the season, you're still in a few trophies. You still got the possibility of seventh or whatever. But the reason I put this one at the top is because everyone left that game not only ecstatic that they've won the game, ecstatic that they've been there and just had a really nice day at the football, but with a look forward to next season as well, which you get at this time of year, and especially in our position where it's all about next season in terms of the young players we've got, in terms of the targets that we're possibly going to go for in the summer and 
quite more than likely gets and the fact that now we've got Brendan in charge it's all just looking so good and this is just on top of all the it's, it, the the excitement for next season was was palpable as people walked out of the stadium but um let's 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 talk about the game in a bit more detail a change in formation Chowdhury coming into the side a really interesting selection played very well indeed in fact he he played Exactly how I thought he would do. We all know he's a good player, and we know he's got a lot of energy, and we know he can get about better than Ndidi, who's not exactly a, an old-timer in midfield, but Chowdhury is, is, is more active, especially in getting forward, but not in terms of obviously scoring goals, but in terms of pressing, really. That's what he was there for. And this formation, for me, it wasn't quite a 4-3-3, because Ndidi kind of sat just a bit deeper than Chowdhury, who again was pressing, then you got Tillemans. For me, there was two selections that were very interesting one of them is not actually Chowdhury the other it was Tillemans not the fact that he was playing but where he was playing and the other one was Mark Albrighton and I say that for a couple of reasons one because the formation we played relies heavily on Yuri Tillemans which is a massive positive because he is our most creative player and our real link in the side and just take my money, you know, go there with an empty checkbook and say, just write a figure, we'll pay it, don't worry. They need to sign this guy, they, which we've said for weeks and weeks and weeks, everyone knows it. But he was, you can't play that formation without someone like Tillemans in the side. And the second person I mentioned is Mark Albrighton. And I'm not talking about the individual player. I think that's the position that next year, Brendan will be looking to get a new signing, a wide-ish player, but a forward-thinking midfielder along the likes of Barnes, Gray, Madison, to link with Vardy and Tillemans. And I think that's our big signing. And when we play this formation again, that position, yes, Albrighton had a good game. I think that's where a new signing can play. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that. I liked the formation. You know, when you first see the team come out, you think, oh, this is interesting. But I think... It's the right time for Brendan Rodgers to introduce someone like Hamza Chowdhury. He'll have seen a lot of him in training, of course, uh, and watched the footage of the Premier League games that he's played in. I mean, you kind of forget how many times he has featured for the first team, either because he's been forced into it or because he was selected at various times uh, of this season and last. But um, it was it did free Tielemans up even more so than than previously. You know, when it's been... Tielemans and then and Madison starting in a central position and Didi's been left there to hold the fort and those two have both not quite been playing number 10 but they've both been playing as advanced central midfielders if you like you know if you put it on an on a graphic you'd probably have Tielemans slightly deeper than Madison um for the purposes of match of the day or whatever but they in reality they play in a very similar position but in this one Madison was asked to play a touch wider you know, again, you put it on a graphic, you'd put him on the left wing, but he wasn't really playing there. And you know that Chilwell's going to get up and down that wing all, all game to give you the width out there. So it was interesting that I think it will probably, if that was the way forward, it would help Ndidi by not putting so much responsibility on his shoulders because Chowdhury's a good ball-playing midfielder as well. So it's not just, you know, we saw against Newcastle when, when Ndidi was the deepest line midfielder, he just can't get the ball out of his feet and shift it quick enough to maintain 
intensity for 90 minutes, whereas having another body in there to help him, whilst Tielemans was released further forward with limited defensive duties, um, Madison was not in a free role, but free to take up some different positions in between the lines. It, it was it was an interesting slight tweak on the on the on a take of a formation that we've seen quite a lot of. Um, we've said time and time again on this podcast that a quality wide man is um, an important area for us to invest in. And you know, if 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 Brendan Rodgers liked the formation against Arsenal at the weekend, uh, and Madison is playing as a sort of inside left, if you like, uh, for the most part of that, if we do sign Tielemans then you're only really looking for one because you've got Albrighton, who you know what you're going to get from him game game by game. You've got Harvey Barnes, who has proven uh, against West Ham the other week that he can make an impact off the bench, even when he's not starting, even though he has started most of the game since he's come back from West Brom. Um, and, you know, he'd probably keep Damari great. How long can we say that he's got great potential, Damari Gray? Sooner rather than later, he's got to be staking a claim and and giving Brendan Rodgers no choice but to pick him on the wing. But I don't think he's done that yet. So I agree, you ship out someone like Gazelle to make room for a genuine attacking wide play. You might want to try and find a left footer um, so that they can play a little bit narrower as well and let Ricardo go on, on the outside. Uh, and and just balance it up a little bit because Barnes, Gray, or Brighton, Madison, all right footers. I don't know. It's not a, it's not a major um, prerequisite, but I totally agree. I think the the first and foremost got to sign Telemans, regardless of what it costs. Use Silver as a make weight and chuck every penny we've got at it. Um, but I will say he looks really happy, Telemans. You know, it's not just it's not that fake happiness, or it's not the hey, I just scored a goal and set one up happiness. You see the cameras on the players at the end of the game, and there is a genuine. You know, Vardy's gone over to Telemans. He's not just shook his hand, patting him on the head, and walked off. They've had a really good, friendly chat, and Telemans looks like he's really enjoying playing in this team. And Rogers went over to congratulate him as well. So I think he feels very well looked after here. He feels very liked. He knows that the fans love him. He knows he's having a brilliant, brilliant loan spell. Sign Telemans, sign a winger, and I think we're we're looking pretty strong. It's interesting to play in that four-three-three or four-one-two, however you want to put it, against Arsenal to press them because they're Arsenal, because they're a big team, big club. I know they're not exactly in the greatest form, but it's almost if it might even show Rogers that that would have been the best way maybe to take on, say, a Newcastle who are going to sit really deep. You mentioned about Ndidi not being able to pass the ball very well, which we know, and you know he's a very good player, but in that position, I was very critical of the side against Newcastle with Maguire having an awful lot of the ball and we slipped back into that Claude Puel of being our playmaker being Harry Maguire coming out of defence and it being so congested in the opposition's half, which I know they're going to sit deep, but it, it just nullifies anything that Tillemans and another midfielder can do. And when there's more than one player who can pick the ball off a defender and say, look, I'll, I'll start the move, more the merrier, really, because you don't want Maguire to do that. And when they sit back and actually just do their defending, Maguire can still come forward with the ball when he wants, when the game's quite open and do his marauding runs, which we all like. That's great, but not as a playmaker, not as a quarterback, not as the person to spread the ball around. That's not what we want him to do. Looking at the game overall, obviously they went down to 10 men. We'll talk about the red card, an easy yellow card for... 
Um, and ours are the first one, one of those classic teams on the break and you bring someone down from behind even if there's hardly any contact. It's going to be a yellow card in the modern game. And then the second yellow card is quite contentious. Madison obviously has played with him on the 21s and they know each other quite well because there was a kind of a friendly discussion between the two afterwards. Um, went down pretty easily. Uh, I've got down on my little notes. I've made some notes, guess what? And um, I've got down, yeah, needs to cut it out, a few mentions for Madison on Sky Sports on Match of Day on plenty of reviews of the weekend action regarding Madison. He, he just wants to kind of not get a reputation because reputations like that can easily stick to a player and it could take years actually to shake off. People regard a player as being a, a certain type or have a certain, either a diver or, or whatever, even if it doesn't happen for not even months, for seasons on end and then it happens again and they go, oh yeah, you know, he's, he's always been like that. I saw a tweet earlier from... Robert Huth saying, uh, dear footballers, stop pretending to be hurt. And that's the the big man at the back saying that. And it, it's, it happens everywhere. It happens with a lot of younger players. It's just, I hate to say it's part of the game, but it is part of the game. I don't like it, you don't like it. It's just the need to kind of nip it in the bud slightly. But then again, you got the guy sent off and we won the game. That's the argument, isn't it? Because... They are professional footballers and their job is to go out there and win football matches. Um, And no, I don't agree with diving or simulation or even really making the most or making a meal of of certain challenges, which is definitely what Madison did uh, for Maitland-Niles' second yellow card. But... You could. Uh, there is an argument there. It's it's not a particularly strong one, and I don't think it outweighs the argument of sportsmanship and fair play. But there is an argument there for the fact that um, that it's it, it's them doing their jobs as professional footballers. He got him sent off. Uh, we've both said on this podcast in the last fifteen minutes that we don't think Leicester won the game because Arsenal went down to ten men. We think they were going to win it anyway, but. Let's be honest, having one less player to play against, generally speaking, especially so early in the game, makes life a bit easier. Um, it's a hard one because we we love football. We we sit and talk about it until we until people don't want to listen anymore, and then carry on talking anyway. Um, but it's not. It, it does make part of the game slightly less lovable in a way and you know you get people that aren't necessarily massive football fans uh, and you say oh yeah I'm a big football fan a big Leicester fan whatever and they just turn around and say that I can't I can't abide by the 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 way that these players conduct themselves sometimes and you know Robert who's well basically rugby fans yeah um but it but it makes sense because Robert who's saying yeah these footballers should stop rolling around pretending to be hurt and it's absolutely true you look at um you know little bits where maybe somebody's studs graze somebody's shin as they as they're both landing from a challenge uh, an aerial challenge or something somebody goes down rolling around screaming in pain that happens to rugby players every single phase of play they get trodden on by blokes twice as heavy and just because it's expected of them, they get back up and they and they crack on. Um, you're never going to get it. Football is is not 
Uh, I'm trying to be, you know, I'm stuttering a bit here because I'm trying to be careful about the way that the, uh, the way that I word it, and I'm trying to make sure that I get my point across without actually saying that all footballers are pansies. But you know, Robert, who it coming from Robert Huth makes sense because Robert Huth is as close to a rugby player as you're ever going to get on a football pitch. Oh yeah, I, I get exactly what you're saying. The the double edged short, you know, being devil's advocate for this is if contact is made and the player goes down, even though the contact didn't bring the player down and he gets a free kick, then he's got the free kick and there was contact made. My biggest gripe with modern football is when people say there was contact made, arguing against what I've just said. Because contact, for me, is not enough for a player then to go down and get a free kick. But then if he didn't go down, he wouldn't get the free kick, he wouldn't get a red card for the opposition player, he might not get a penalty, etc, etc. So it is that double-edged sword. And, And at the moment, there is not a movement in football for one or the other to be stamped out of the game. Stamped out is probably the wrong word, but do you know what I mean? And if that's the case, we're in that kind of limbo situation at the moment when someone goes down, like Madison, and there's a million, a million other and worst situations in the Premier League this season alone than than what Madison did, which I thought was quite mild, really. You know, yes, he went down, but... It was a professional way of going down without being the most blatant dive in the world. There's been a, a thousand worse situations of possible simulation than than that this season. It's just that we're talking about this one game and it was a fairly important one because it led to a red card. But for me, I think football at the moment, it's just on that fine line where there is kind of an, an acceptable way of going down through contact, which everyone, and I'm including 70-plus-year-old fans who have seen football change more than we ever probably will do and even now those fans would possibly accept someone going down in that fashion and getting up and us getting a free kick or an opposition player doing it because it's just the modern way in the Premier League a lot of other things has improved and I think uh, your hardcore football fan kind of accepts it obviously no one likes the full-blown simulation but anyway we, we are kind of rambling on about something which is uh, um nothing to really what we should be talking about because we should be talking about the fantastic win the best performance of the season right further down my list Vardy 18 goals I don't want to talk about Jamie Vardy do you know why no I don't know why I want to talk about him I don't because I don't think there's anything else to say we we could sit here for 10 hours and talk about Jimmy Vardy and what a hero he is, what a great player. We'll talk about the goals, uh, tap in from a, a, a Ricardo marauding run and all sorts of one-touch football and bits and bobs in outside the area when it was uh, 2-0 to make it 3. And then the header off the crossbar from the great long ball downfield from Schmeichel. So we'll talk about the goals in itself, but his movement was great for the first of those in between the two defenders what they were doing no one knows Schmeichel who gets an awful lot of grief and deservedly so for trying to pass the ball from the back when it works it's great when it doesn't it's not great my problem with it is that sometimes he just tries all the time and if it's an off day sometimes thinking look Casper it's not working today come on just play it short or go long whatever Um, but this time he, he spotted it great through ball lobbed the keeper and then had the, uh, the the composure to hit it in the back of the net. And then he scored his second, and he's now on 18 league goals. Yeah, I'm just looking at his his form, actually, since 
since Rodgers took over. It's nine goals in eight games. It's ridiculous. He, he scored when Rodgers was in attendance after he'd just been appointed on the Tuesday night game at home to Brighton, which obviously we won't count. But since the Watford game, nine goals in eight games under Brendan Rodgers. The highest scoring Englishman in the Premier League who has himself retired from England duty. He's And, and people are saying uh, he's lacking a bit of the explosive pace that he had a couple of years ago. The timing of his runs is excellent. And Brendan Rodgers would not keep coming out in press conferences and repeating the fact that Jamie Vardy is a, an extremely clever uh, and tactically aware footballer if it wasn't true. And he wouldn't keep scoring these goals if you believe that his pace has gone, if he, he wasn't tactically very aware of what was going on. No doubt whatsoever that he has drastically improved his goal scoring since Yuri Tielemans came into the team. He, Tielemans, the pass is almost becoming a trademark, sliding it in absolutely dead weight between the centre-back and the and the full-back. And every time it looks even better. He did it again against Arsenal. Um, those two combining is, is, is incredible. I don't think... People were saying, oh, we need to find a long-term replacement for Jamie Vardy. Not on this evidence, we don't. I, I agree we need another striker in general, and that's a conversation for another time. But look, he's just playing on the shoulder. All he's got to do is run 10, 15 yards, a perfectly timed run, knows that Tielemans is going to find him, and knows where the back of the net is. And, you know, someone, all right, Glenn Murray's gone a little bit off the boil, but he's proved that he can still score goals in the Premier League. I, I, I genuinely think on, on evidence like this... Especially as Jamie Vardy's not being relied on uh, as the only player to press the defence anymore, the, the opposition's defence. Under Rodgers, the whole team presses higher. So the onus is not so much on Vardy to do that. So he's not going to be putting himself about as physically much as he did before. Uh, and there's no reason why two, three, four years down the line he can't still be operating on the shoulder of the last defender, banging in goals while Leicester are in the top four. I've said before I'd love to see the... Uh, 100 goal in the Premier League show when Vardy gets there. If he gets there, fingers crossed he does. I'd love him to get 20 goals this year. It would be amazing. I've got down, would you swap any player for an Arsenal player? And we know they have Lacazette in the Bamiang up top. Their goalkeeper, I've always thought, is a bit dodgy. I know he had a good game. He's very much a shot stopper. Flaps at the ball from crosses. He's going to cost goals. He's a he's a very good shot stopper, but then again, most of the goalkeepers in the Premier League are. I I think he's he is dicey. They're, they're a very weak side, aren't they, Arsenal? They could really take a leaf out of their women's side who won the Super League at the weekend. It's no uh, bias there, Pete. No, 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 no not yes. yes um, for the, for those uh, for for Fox Eight listeners who uh, don't know, I work down at Arsenal Women. And uh, yeah, they're, they're a very good side. Really good to watch as well. So uh, hopefully they'll play Leicester soon. I want Leicester to get promoted to the Super League so I can uh, watch uh, and work down at Arsenal with my Leicester shirt on. That'll be interesting. But I have actually done that. But no, we'll, we'll, we'll move on. You wouldn't really want to swap any Arsenal players for uh, into the Leicester side. One or two you might think about. I, I, I generally thought about it. I can't think of any. To be honest, there was quite a few names, and this might just be me, but there's a few players on their, their team sheets and their squad. I looked, so who, who the bloody hell are they? Like, and, I, and they just didn't impress me in the slightest. 
No, I'm just I'm just looking at the two lineups actually. If you're talking man for man, would I swap anyone from Arsenal starting eleven at the weekend into Leicester's starting eleven? No. If you're asking me, are there Arsenal players that I would add to the Leicester squad? Absolutely. You know, you're talking about if if money and the happiness of the player etc were no were no um, problem whatsoever, then of course you'd sign Obama Yang. Um, as as a quality striker because he's better than Shinji Okazaki and he's better than Kalechi Inacho. But in terms of the actual starting 11s, on face value, on merit, not just on that game, but in general, no, not really. No, I, I, I wouldn't. Apart from, obviously, the front two, Aubameyang and Lacazette, you've got two players signed for 50-odd million quid, both very good centre-forwards. But no, not at all. There's, um, I don't know whether you've seen anything about uh, Hamza Chowdhury's tweets today. Um, there's yes. Been a, yeah, there's been yeah, a bit. I've, of, I've read a bit. Yeah. Yeah, there's been a story about Hamza Chowdhury sent out some tweets when he was 15 or 16. I've read the story and I've read the tweets, and I ain't being funny. There's nothing there. So if you if you've seen any news or you hear anything about some old tweets that Hamza Chowdhury sent when he was 15. And there's been a statement released by a club saying it's you know he's 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 not even apologised he he's he's just learned about tweeting as a professional player and all that. I've read what he's written when he was 15 or whatever. It's nothing. There's no. It's it's not. It's not bad really. Do you know what I mean? It could. Have, when I first saw the story, I thought, oh god, you know what's 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 he said when he was we were six years ago but it's nothing it is nothing so don't worry about that story and we'll gloss over that it's not not really a story it's a non-starter um no not at all i'm not you, no. you don't condone any any kind of language that is discriminatory or potentially um uh sort of uh distasteful or whatever to anybody else but can you imagine pete if social media was around when um when you were 14 15 and started digging well, exactly. up the kind of stuff that you were actually <laughs> up to i'm but, not but, saying for a second that you'd be discriminatory but i mean in no. In general, nobody as an adult, nobody as a 21-year-old is the same as they were when they were a 14, 15-year-old. Everybody, that's a massive period of maturation for for anybody, really. So, you know, and the fact that he's just come out, he's been really sensible about it. He said, they're not my, my true beliefs. Um, you know, he's, uh, he, I don't know if he specifically apologised, but he's just said that he, 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 he no. didn't want, obviously want to cause any offence now, uh, then or now since they've been dug back up and I think I think it's been dealt with very very well and as you say we'll just gloss over it and not talk about 14 year old Pete Selby. No, it's it's a subject which uh, which we discussed actually on Drinking with Fear podcast which is a very good podcast uh, that you can download and uh, and listen to or even watch on YouTube. <laughs> anyway, um but but anyway, it wasn't even that bad. The tweets weren't weren't that bad. Anyway, we'll gloss over it. Okay. Do you know anyone who supports Liverpool? Yes, friend of the podcast, Stephen Jameson. I haven't oh. spoken to him in the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, I, I, I do. I do want to get in touch with him, but he'll probably get in touch with me and say, "Do us a favour against City." Well, speaking of Jameson, I'm I'm working at the Europa League final in Baku, which could well be Chelsea against Arsenal for my sins with Jamo actually so um we could really do them a favor but i i did tweet the anfield rap boys saying what size vardy number nine shirts do you want for next week you know xl or large and uh they do quite uh i think i think they read it because they didn't reply but in my own head i think that they read it we're going to man city monday night football on the bank holiday monday 
Um, I don't know how you feel about this. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion, obviously. Um, I am, you are, this is our podcast. What we say, you don't have to agree. And if you don't agree, this is this is one thing I, I'd quite like, because we get the odd tweets from regular tweeters, and if you do tweet in, then, then, then thank you very much, at ffspod for fox sake podcast ffspod is on twitter if you're not on twitter then there's facebook as well go on there and comment when we post the link to the episode and, and comment we, we get our, our regular tweeters and we and, and, and we love them you know they're, they're fantastic they've been with us for a long time number of years but obviously people are listening to this and you and you don't have to agree with us absolutely whatsoever and i imagine on many many topics possibly every single one, that you might disagree with us, let us know. Because if you tweet in saying, oh, by the way, you mentioned, I completely disagree what you're talking about, uh, Tillemans and his position or Albrighton's position or whatever. Tell us, because if you you saying that you disagree with us, that's not a bad thing. It's great. Start the conversation. We're not, we're, you know us by now if you listen to For Fox 8, we don't take offence. We're fine, you know what I mean? We're, we're quite level-headed and balanced. We're not going to blow off... Uh, you know, a gasket or, or keep on mentioning it on the podcast if you want it to remain quiet that's fine so let us know if you do disagree and many might disagree with what i'm about to say and that is when we go and play manchester city there might be some leicester fans out there who might not want us to get anything from there because they don't want liverpool to win the league that's probably the majority of people would like Man City to win because for some reason they've got in their heads that Liverpool fans are full of themselves and they might well be and every single club has fans like that but I don't feel that way I don't really care who wins the league I'd actually won't mind if the if Liverpool win it's someone different and I was talking to people at work today and they went are you mad there's Liverpool fans here who they'll be full of it and I just kind of turn around, and these are fans of Watford and fans of Birmingham, fans of all sorts. And I turn around and said, look, I don't really care because we won the league a few years ago. So we're still floating on, you know, we're still on cloud nine from that. So if they win the league, Liverpool fan ain't going to turn around to a Leicester fan and go, ah, we're league champions. They, that, <laughs> they can't do that to us because after what we've, you know, happened in the last few years at, at Leicester. So I don't really mind. I don't know what your viewpoint is, whether you're one of these who just can't stand the idea of Liverpool winning the league. I, I don't quite get it. And especially from people who are about 19, 20 years old who, you know, it's not their fault, but they've only been really following football for a few years because of their age. That's the only reason. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you and I and I have been equally surprised at the number of people that look at me gone out when I say I would actually like Liverpool to win the league. By no stretch of anybody's imagination am I a Liverpool fan. Um but I just I don't know there's just something about I've I've always quite liked Liverpool. I've never really had anything uh, any ill feeling towards them or their supporters or anything and you and I both feature on various different Liverpool podcasts on quite a regular basis and we're we're more than happy to do so. Um I like I I just I quite like Liverpool and you know even if you just look at it from a completely pragmatic point of view for Manchester City not to defend their title and for somebody else to win it especially you know I mean Liverpool will tell you this and they will sing this to high heaven about their history and how 
how brilliant they they've been and their their success in Europe and their success pre Premier League era blah 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 and yes you will hear plenty of that if Liverpool win the league but in general I think it'd be a really positive thing for a club of their size to win the Premier League for the first time I, I think it I think it would be excellent and I like the way that they've gone about it I like the players that they've got. I I think Jurgen Klopp is has been fantastic for the Premier League. I I, I don't think there are many people, apart from the the people that you're talking about mainly, that that don't like Jurgen Klopp and they don't and the, the the charisma that he brings to the Premier League. He's he's absolutely brilliant. He's he's injected something new into press conferences. Pep Guardiola's boring as anything. Brilliant, brilliant manager. Don't get me wrong. And if he guides Man City to defend their Premier League title in what has probably been the most difficult title defence in the Premier League era, then absolutely congratulations to him. What a brilliant, brilliant job. World-class coach, one of the best in the world. But as a person, love Jurgen Klopp. And can you imagine being Liverpool and not winning the Premier League based on losing one game? It is absolutely frightening. You, you, you just got to take your hats off to both teams this season and say you have been fantastic. There are, it's rare that I really am that bothered about who wins the Premier League or who goes down unless we're involved in it. You know, I'm normally looking who are we battling with? Where can we get to? Um, and obviously, I think that's something that we'll probably talk about to, to round off the, the show in a few minutes. But the Premier League title race is Absolutely brilliant. Some people whinged last night that we weren't first on match of the day too because we'd stuffed Arsenal 3-0 with, the, with what we consider to be our best performance of the season. The title race is a worldwide phenomenon and who cares whether Burnley shut the door on Man City for pretty much the entire game and the ball crossed the line by a matter of millimetres and not much happened in the rest of the game. I I can totally see why that has to be number one priority because it's, the Premier League's the most watched league in the world and it's just been a brilliant advert for it. Uh, and for me, not because of any affinity towards anybody from Liverpool or anything like that, I would genuinely like to see Liverpool do it. Yeah, I mean, personally, I, I don't really care who wins it. It's just, I wouldn't mind Liverpool. It's But some people have just gone completely one way. I'd, I'd hate it. I'd hate it if they won I couldn't really care less. What I care about is Leicester getting something from Man City. And I think we can. I think we can cause a surprise. If they get nervous, then we can really take advantage. And we know why. We know with the players that we've got and the form that we're in. And they must be completely 100% buzzing after the game against Arsenal. And they'll be going there with a plan. They will really will be going there with a plan. They've got, obviously, Brendan in charge, knowing... I'm, I'm keep calling him Brendan, but it's Claude and, you know, Claudio, Brendan. Um, with Brendan in charge, there's obviously that Liverpool angle. But for me, it is a signpost. It's a pointer for next season to say, look, let's just say... Leicester go to Man City. It's a very tight game, maybe 1-1, and Vardy scores a late winner. Yes, all the headlines will be about the Premier League title race, yada, 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 and deservedly so, but it will be a real marker for next season to say, look, we mean business. One or two, or even three, first-team big signings, including Yuri Tillemans, and we can turn around and say, look at last season. We beat Man City home and away. 
fantastic win against Arsenal, Chelsea, etc. Look at what we can do with a view to really attacking that top six. So I think we've got a chance. Now, there's a chance, obviously, they can turn up and just smash us. And if they do, hats off, well done. You're one of the best sides, as I mentioned, in Premier League history and in the top flight of English football history, both them and Liverpool with the amount of points and their record, you have to say so. But I think we've got a real chance as long as either, and this might be the most obvious thing I ever say in the world, we don't concede in the first 15, 10 or 15 minutes and possibly we do take the lead in the first 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah, I think so. I think the more the the longer we keep things level, the more nervous Manchester City are going to get. The more they're going to chase the game, and and we've proved that the more open the game, the more effective we can be. We're looking very clinical at the minute, so I don't think we'd need to create a mass of chances to score a goal. You're probably looking for every clear cut chance or every half decent chance one in you'd, you'd expect to score us to score one in three something like that especially with Vardy up front at the moment the form he's in and the ability in the final third now to pick out that final pass from the likes of Tillemans and, and Madison there's no reason why we can't go and get a result you know Brennan Rodgers has said himself the players in that dressing room believe that they have got the quality within the squad to be competing within the top six uh, and and that involves playing well against and getting points against the title challengers, uh, and it, as you say, Pete, it would put down a real marker, and it, I think it would follow up very nicely from the victory over Arsenal this weekend because I don't think people are giving Leicester enough credit for it, because partly because of the red card, partly because of Arsenal's dire away form, you know, things like that. But Arsenal are still in with a very realistic chance of of getting Champions League football next season and we absolutely played them off the park so there's absolutely no reason why not why we can't have the belief that we can uh, go to Manchester City and you know you get a point and that really puts a massive dent in their title hope so there's there's every every chance that we can and I, and I, I hope we do I, from, if even even though I've just said I, I, re, I would like Liverpool to win the league if I'm just looking at it from a Leicester City point of view we're still in with a chance of finishing seventh let's uh, whether you think whether you think we deserve it or not you know Wolves have had great press this season about the way that they've played football and all right yes they have come up from the championship and done extremely well in the first season back in the Premier League but I think Leicester uh, on the whole people are looking at it as as a relatively average season and if we finish higher than Wolves as the best of the rest and that's what people call an average or up and down season then roll on the next because it's only going one way and beating Man City is why not start that now we I think we have begun to to put those foundations in place they don't have to start on the first game of next season this they can and, and will start now yeah uh- I mean, funny enough, I kind of really forgot about the seventh place in in a weird way. If we do get something from Man City, then it's on. Obviously, we play Chelsea at the end of the season. I personally think that Arsenal will still get that top four place because they, along with Chelsea, will probably win their next game because they're both at home against um, quite easy opposition. Off the top of my head, I think there's Watford who will be looking at the FA Cup and... 
I think possibly Brighton or someone. And then on the final yeah, day... Yeah, Arsenal, Ars- Arsenal have got Brighton, yeah. Yeah, Arsenal travel to Turf Moor and Chelsea, of course, travel to the King Power. So they can they can then get that uh, that place. There's another reason as well. I keep on thinking of JMO actually, Liverpool winning the league. I might have changed my mind now. If you work with a Liverpool fan or you've got Liverpool fans as close mates, maybe it's not the. <laughs> I can understand. I'm just thinking JMO. He would be insufferable, wouldn't he? Oh, yeah, I might have changed my mind. Anyway, uh, yeah, I've completely <laughs> changed my mind. I want Man City to win. There you go. That just shows you what can happen. Um, I Another thing as well. And this came up, and we're not going to do this now because it's something for the end of the season, but uh, on, on Radio Leicester, a lot of people will listen to Radio Leicester, either the podcast or listen to it or follow on social media. They were talking about best moments uh, in Leicester's history. We've done this over the last few years, and of course it keeps on getting updated the way that they're playing. And uh, one thing that I thought of, which uh, what someone mentioned, was the game against Tottenham, sorry, Tottenham at home, to West Brom. When West Brom scored the equaliser, Dawson, who scored the own goal, scored at the at the right end. It was 1-1, and when the final whistle went, I felt quite ill. I, my stomach went like you're on a fairground ride because it was that my, like my knees almost started to buckle because it was, that's it, we're going to win the league. That that was That was the moment when it was like, right, we're going to win the league, and it just all of a sudden kind of hit me. I can remember vividly, and then the game against Chelsea, and whatever Eden Hazard does in his career, Leicester fans will always know he's that guy who scored that goal. We're going to win the league anyway, but still, it's in folklore. And almost with me with Chelsea, who I don't like, I've never liked Chelsea for many, many, many reasons over the years, the way that they've been bought by Abramovich, who's not exactly the nicest owner in the world, and just the way that they are Terry and Chelsea fans, you know, all that. It kind of diluted a lot of my hatred because I don't hate many clubs, but I don't like Chelsea at all. And when clubs play in Europe, I'm one of those kind of old school supporters who kind of supports everyone, every English side in Europe, maybe apart from Chelsea. But it kind of diluted a lot of that hatred towards them when when they uh, when they did that. And, you know, it was, it, it was all very nice and stuff. We could be that club, that moment, that Dawson goal. It could be Vardy on Monday. It could be the Hazard curling in the top corner. It could be a Harry Maguire header in injury time. We could be the Dawson or the Hazard of every Liverpool fan in the world. That, that, that summer, isn't it, really? Because we think about this and we talk about it a lot because it was the best moment in Leicester's history. We could be that moment for another side. That's quite something, really. Yeah, it is to, to indirectly or directly, however you want to look at it, have such an impact on, on somebody else's season. And, you know, you then, if we do get a result against Man City, you take the, the momentum of beating Arsenal and beating City, you could do you a favour, Pete, and keep Chelsea out of the top four by beating them last game of the season as well. Can you imagine rounding off the season like that, stealing the Premier League title off Man City and then stopping Chelsea getting in the top four? It would be amazing. And I know there's a lot more to signing a player, but I mentioned looking forward to next season. If we win the game on Monday, then there will be... I mean, everyone will be watching this around the world. Like I said, Monday night football. Leicester beating Arsenal, then going to the Etihad and winning... Will, that will cause headlines around the world. And there might be players out there who 
could be approached by Leicester in the summer and they look at Leicester and go, hang on, you know, look at look how they finished and the players they've got and you know, the money they've got and the manager, etc., etc. You never know these little things. They they could they could just tip as one way in signing a player. You know, you never know how these things work. Yeah, it could be a bit of a shop window for us. I thought you were going to say it as a negative point of view there, where it could put Yuri Tielemans further into the shop window. I saw some uh, no, social could. media posts from some Leicester fans uh, t- today and yesterday um, that he's probably added £5 million to his price tag just because he scored his first career header. So now everyone thinks, well, left foot, right foot, header, assists, goals, he can do pretty much everything. So um, imagine if he, he plays that well against Manchester City when you, you, you've got to imagine that the, the viewing figures for Monday night's game are going to be billions around the world. Let's hope he has a a decent game, but, but not too good, because if he keeps going up £5 million a game and he started at about 40, we, we could be in a bit of trouble. We could be pushing up to up to £100 million by by the end of the season. Well, they need to pay whatever it is. Funnily enough, I, I, I thought actually it wasn't his best game for the club. Yes, he scored the goal and he really grew into the game and when we got in front, he then showed his class. But before that, even though we were playing very, very well, there was uh, he had a good chance and he kind of um, snatched at it a bit. And it, I'm not saying he played poorly or even average. He was still playing very well. But it wasn't quite the all-round performance that we've seen. And But he really did grow into the game. And, and they just need to pay whatever it is. And if it's, let's say, it's 40 million and with 10 of it's been laid off with silver, then, then pay the 30. If it's 50, pay it. And the way that Roger speaks, he doesn't like to give anything away. But you can sense in the last week or so, the tone has changed when they're talking regarding Tillemans. And everyone's going to push him on it. He really has. He, he He's kind of changed a little bit saying, you know, they need to buy him. He's not said that, but that's kind of what you can decipher from what he said. Yeah, and I don't think I've seen this before where... So many players, and obviously social media has become a big thing for players in recent years, but so many Leicester players have said, either in press conferences or on social media or on both, sign him up. And I think if you're ever going to get the complete measure of a footballer in terms of his ability, uh, but also in terms of his personality and character, it's going to be from the people that he plays football with on the training ground. Managers are obviously involved in that, and so are coaches, but they see things from a slightly different vantage point. This is senior Leicester players like Maguire, um, England international like Chilwell, senior Leicester player like Vardy, sign him up. I, d- I don't think any more needs to be said. I-, I don't think for a second that there are people at the club that are not willing to put in the legwork to sign him. It's just... It is a measure. It's not just us saying, "Oh, he looks decent." We're looking at the stats, or we've watched him play games. He looks good. It's not just Rogers saying, "I think he fits into my system." It's the players saying, "He fits into our system. Um, he fits into our squad, and uh, we need to sign him up." And like you say, if it's fifty million and ten millions offset by silver, fine. If it's sixty, fine. Seventy, fine. Don't really care. Money is not an, an an issue for Leicester at the moment. Um, but Tielemans is. Tillemans is more important to Leicester than 70 million quid. Imagine that. It's interesting. We don't know the guy, but I will equate to what I was going to say halfway of what you've said, and that's 
the response from the players. On the field, you can see when they celebrate a goal, he seems a very level-headed guy, hugging everyone before the start in the tunnel cam. If you've not seen the tunnel cam that Leicester produced for the game against Arsenal, take a look. And before they walk out, it was mentioned by a few people on social media, Tillemans, when their lineup goes down the line and gives everyone a hug, there's a really awkward one with... <laughs> With with Johnny Evans, who kind of looks at him, and says, what are you doing? Um, but a lot of people said, look, this is this could be a future leader. He's he could be a future captain. He's he looks very level headed. We know he's played a lot of football for his age. He looks like he's very well liked by the players. It, it, it just seems kind of off the field and and in his head, he, he's a very mature individual. And you would expect that from what we've seen so far. He's not kind of that Flash Harry person who can be slightly off the wall. He he looks like a very level-headed footballer. Now, to finish with, and I, I don't I can't believe you've not mentioned it yet. Or or maybe you forgot. But um I've mentioned already once regarding the game against Newcastle. Now things change. Everyone responds to what's just happened. People can change their minds in an instant regarding players, regarding teams, regarding formations, managers, whatever. One win can, you know, cure a lot of ills. Now, the game against Newcastle, we slip back into the Puel kind of scenario with Maguire. And I text you out of the blue a few days after regarding Harry Maguire. I forgot about that. You, I knew oh, you, you know I meant You know I meant to mention that. I know, so I'm going to mention it first. Now, I text you, after thinking about it for about two days, I came to the decision that Leicester, not, I did say should, but in terms of if they were to sell a player, it's going to be Harry, it should be Harry Maguire. And I said this for, because I was so you, frustrated. You didn't word it like that, I didn't Pete. Word I've it got like the that. actual text. I, I said they should sell him. They I've should got sell the text in front of me, and completely out of the blue... Pete Selby, we should sell Harry Maguire, I've come to a decision. And my response <laughs> was, as most people listening, their responses will be, oh, bloody hell, what is that based on? I, I, I hadn't had a drink or anything. And you, and you said, but no, I should flip him, I'll hope not, because it was 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and you said, based on what we need and where we have cover. So I responded, but we don't need the money, and I'd rather have Maguire than Soyuncu. However, if Maguire wants to leave, wants in bold, then I don't think we need him. I think we both are right. Now, Maguire was very good against Arsenal. He's a top-class centre-half. We know what Harry Maguire is like. We don't need to go any further. Do we have cover? Yes. Does he play well with Johnny Evans? Yes. But, again, for me, if teams drop deep, if Leicester carry on the tendency, because it it, it completely ruined the game for me. It, it was I still can't get it out of my head. And it was not just that one game against Newcastle. It was previous matches. You're looking at Cardiff at home, Southampton, lots of teams, where we do fall into that, give it to Maguire and then he will then bring it forward and we miss out our midfield completely. And if it went to a centre-half who wasn't so mobile then and forward-thinking, then they would lay it off. Would we be in a bit better position? Yes, obviously. 
But you don't want to sell your best player, or you don't want to sell such a good player like Maguire. But if Leicester are playing so well, and next season we add a couple of faces, forward-thinking players, I mentioned in that maybe Albright in position, we sign Tillemans, and, and whoever else, you never know. What I don't want is all of those forward-thinking players to be completely bypassed when we are at home, especially because we're passing it to Maguire all the time to then start the move. That might seem so very, very extreme, but you can see where I'm coming from, can you? I can. It took me a little while. When you first texted it to me, and with no context whatsoever, I read it and I thought, he has actually finally lost the plot. But I do I do agree with you, yeah. Um, I, my counter-argument to that would be if you say, had somebody like Robert Huth instead, then you would not really be able to get the ball to the midfield however you wanted to. So I think Maguire's ability to play out from the back is a positive one. I agree that we shouldn't rely on him as much as we kind of did against Newcastle. Um, But... Does that mean that we should get rid of him? And 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 by that point, you're then saying that we shouldn't have a centre back that we can rely on technically. So you are saying bring back a a kick it and edit centre back Robert Huth. Then I don't I don't think that makes us better. If I'm being honest, I think the only the only way that Maguire should go is if he turns around to Brendan Rodgers and says, "I want to go," because I don't then think there's any merit in keeping him. Yes, I mean, it's it's a bit of cutting your own nose off, spite your face, that, that sort of thing. Because what I don't, I just don't want Leicester to slip back into that way of playing when teams defend, which they will do for a number of reasons. One, because it's successful against us. And two, if we are successful next season, they'll do it because we are flying and that's the only way that they can see playing against us at the King Power. I know cutting off that aspect is by selling a player is sounds really really harsh but if the team can't stop doing that it it is it does sound crazy but there you go as the good man once said that's that's what you might have to do and if there is one or two extra targets yes we're a, a rich club but i'm i'm talking big money now Slomani was signed for £29 million a few years ago. We're going to get some money back from a number of players being sold or let go, um, mainly from the wages. There's going to be a lot lopped off the wages this year, or this summer. But I'm talking big signings. I'm talking Tillemans for, what, 40-odd, 50-odd million. I don't think that's where we'll stop. I think there's going to be some players who... Whether it gets over the line or not, but I think there's going to be some big, big bids made by Leicester in the 40s and in the 50s. You never know even more. That's how attractive the club is. So what I'm thinking is if selling Maguire and getting, you're asking for 75 million, 80 million, 75 million, say. If Leicester turn around and go, look, we could get this unbelievable number eight we could get this fantastic winger we could get a brilliant young striker who would love to play come on for Vardy and play when Vardy's injured or on the bench or learn whatever and it's going to cost 40 odd million 50 odd million if 
we've got those targets in mind and we need that extra cash and they look at the squad and go do you know what we could actually phone up man city and say look we'll do a deal before you offer here's the player for that money that's where i was thinking well do you know what i think it's going to be we always do one in the summer at some point it's going to be one of our most interesting potential transfer chat podcasts i think that we've ever done and i'm i'm very much looking forward to it yeah, it's, it's it's going to be great, but that that's the way that's the that's that's where I was thinking. So that's something to bear in mind. I was just thinking about you know, players we could possibly sign, and and we won't even go into who they could be. But I'm looking top four, top five, top six. That's where we want to be aiming. And if that's where we're aiming, we mentioned who are the Arsenal players who would either get in Leicester's side or who we would want, and both of them cost in the forties, fifties, sixty million pounds. So if they cost that sort of money and they're the only players that we would take from their team, then that's the sort of players that we should be going for. And we'll leave you on that bombshell. <laughs> anyway, um, thanks for listening. That's the podcast. Fingers crossed for Monday. Even if we lose, you know, Man City are a good side. Hopefully um, we don't. Hopefully we win. And then we can look forward to the final game of the season against Chelsea. Now, Rob, are you going? Are you going to that? Can't make it, I'm afraid. Yeah. I know. I think, I don't know whether I can or not, actually. I really like the last game of the season because of Birchie's run and all that sort of thing. But, I love it. I, yeah. I think it's a great a great spectacle. I might, yeah, I, I, I don't think I can shift around other plans, unfortunately. I know my, my priorities are all over the place, but, you know, I'm, I'm gutted to be missing it. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I can't remember. Is it a one o'clock kickoff or? Um, they usually. Usually a bit earlier on a Sunday. Yeah, maybe. What well, I I'll have to work out whether I can go or not. But I no, think three o'clock. Sunday the twelfth of May, three o'clock. Oh, in that case, I can't then. So I'm I'm buggered as well. No more. Anyway, okay then. So we're we but neither of us are there against Chelsea. Fingers crossed. We'll do a pod next week. I'm sure. Um, after the game against Man City, so maybe the Tuesday, maybe the Wednesday, um, and that'll be released. And then after the game against Chelsea, we'll do our end of season pod and we'll have to try and get together in the same studio and and, and do that one the end of season and we'll, and we'll tweet out lots of um suggestions for end of season awards and it's not going to be the obvious ones we always like to uh, kind of mix it up a little bit so uh, we'll leave you with that fingers crossed for monday uh, make sure you get in contact using the twitter handle at ffs pod uh, you can follow us on twitter on facebook also Make sure that you subscribe to us on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts. Leave a star rating, uh, comment and review. Do write down what exactly you think. You, know, you can always lie and give us a good rating. And uh, again, on Facebook, make sure you give us a like and give it a share as well. When you see us on Twitter and you see a link to the uh, podcast thing, just give it a share. You know, we're not too bothered in pushing the podcast as far as it, it can go. We can do a lot more. We just like the listeners who listen and hopefully they enjoy it and you know, we, we, we enjoy doing it. You can go to, you can listen to Drinking with Fear as well. Lovely podcast. Go on Twitter, go on YouTube, and you can find it. <laughs> anyway, from me, that's it. Rob, anything else? No, that's it. Thanks very much as ever, everybody. We'll uh, speak to you next time. <laughs>